0: Welcome and thank you for listening to Optics in Action, where we showcase leaders with vision and clarity. My name is Ryan Weiss, founder and CEO of EPS. Our team is focused on enabling companies to align people and process for increased revenue, profitability, and scalable growth while reducing the frustrations of your employees and customers. If you or someone you know is interested in applying to be a guest on this podcast, you can find more information at podcast.epsoptics.com. Let's get to our next guest. All right. Welcome to another episode of Optics in Action, where we spotlight business leaders with clarity and vision. And I'm super excited on today's episode to have Adam Norton from Chicago Gluing Machine. He's the general manager. We've known each other for, uh, for a number of years now. And uh, and Adam, I've I've been a part of kind of watching Adam's career growth and and the things that he's working on, and uh, excited to have you today, Adam, to talk a little about people, process, and performance, and how that uh, how you've seen that evolve in your career, and and how you uh, kind of work with people and customers and and your organization to keep developing that. So we're excited to have you on the show
1: yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I'm excited uh, as well. appreciate the uh, the offer and opportunity to come on and talk to you. It's a very interesting topic, so I'm uh, excited to uh, to get this conversation going.
0: Yeah, awesome. So I know knowing you for a couple of years now, the uh, you know some of the things that you and I talk about is making sure you've got the like the right people in the right seats, the right people who are who are doing the jobs that need to be done. So tell me a little bit about that. What are some of your experiences or some of your ideas around making sure you've got like the right people engaged and doing the right things? Um, what let's start with people and and your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most critical components of of a company, right? Even if you have the uh, best widget or whatever it is that you're selling to your your market, uh, one person typically can't do everything. So if you don't have the right supporting cast around you, uh, things become a lot more challenging and difficult. And you're um, looking at hurdles that you have that aren't necessarily connected to what you're trying to accomplish. They're just around Uh, things in the details of getting there so uh, when you have those right people everything becomes much easier and smoother to to manage and uh, really it's more efficient and more profitable
0: absolutely and uh, and so you think about yeah getting the right people in the right seats this is this is sort of the one side of this uh, intersection of what I call people and process so you get the you like recruiting in the right people is is really critical, as you just mentioned, to to helping an organization or helping your organization to succeed and, and grow. On the other side, you know, I I sort of talk about this intersection of people and process. And on the other side, if you hire in great people but you have terrible processes, what what happens in those cases? So if you get the right people, but you have bad process, what what happens then?
1: I would say it's uh, almost as much of a breakdown as having the wrong person, right? uh, You know, if uh, you have the best person out there for whatever position it is, but there's no direction or guidance in what they're supposed to be doing, so that process that, that you mentioned... There, it's it's going to be more challenging for them. It's frustrating for them, uh, which in turn is going to be challenging and frustrating for anybody involved uh, in that, uh, I'll call it world of that, that process. I know uh, we, you know, as simple as the process may be to me or uh, the person who did it previously, uh, if it's not documented well or easy for someone who knows nothing about it initially to start, uh, I've seen that that be a relatively big hurdle that, well, we got it all written out, but you need X amount of knowledge and information to start with to get to that process. So if you don't back into, uh, okay, well, let's start here and why you need that to get to what the Full process is, uh, it's another um, kind of failure point that becomes a hurdle for everybody involved.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I've seen you become very passionate about is this uh, this development of of training programs, right? Development of engaging um, new service technicians, and I think I think you're even working on some stuff where it's not just about internal development, but also external development. Potentially of customers, like how do you train your customers? How do you train your uh, internal team to be um, to be successful? What are what are some of the ways that you see, or what's some of the potential you see of, or, or benefit of engaging and training internal and external people, like internal people in your organization, and training your customers or engaging with customers to really improve their knowledge and and their understanding of process and things like that. What are, what are some of the benefits that you see of of going down this path that, uh, that I think you started going down here?
1: Yeah. Well, specifically for us with the uh, equipment that we, we work on, uh, for our customers, we, as fast as we respond, we're not as fast as the people that are working in the company on that production line. So, uh, if we can be there in say two hours, right? Well, they're there right now. So if they've got some amount of knowledge and uh, insight into that equipment, then they might be able to solve the problem on their own, which would be great. As much as you know, we want the sale and, and we want to help, uh, ultimately we want what is best for the customer. So if they can do it on their own, two thumbs up. It's faster. That production line is, is going sooner, but also, uh, it does ultimately help our technicians as well. When the customers have some sort of baseline knowledge about the equipment, because, uh, if they call and are looking for some troubleshooting advice over the phone, if we're starting with someone who has no knowledge of that equipment, the Probing and questioning that we have to ask is much more challenging because we're starting at a blank slate where if they know something about that, that equipment, then they can give us some amount of information up front that uh, gets us to the, to the end result faster. And then the third thing uh, that I think is, is helpful that is definitely smaller than the other two, but uh, it kind of sets a level Uh, understanding on the terminology and and what we're talking about you know with some of our equipment somebody might say the gun or the applicator or the module or the solenoid or the nozzle and all of those might have a different meaning from one person to the other so it's like we're speaking a different language and we all uh, have possibly been in a scenario where you want to communicate and the language is different so if we can get on that same playing field of when we say x it means this then we're uh focusing in on exactly what it is as opposed to uh spending time dialing in what we're talking about instead of moving down the root cause of the issue yeah
0: one of the things as i was listening to you the, the the words that came to my mind were mutual value creation right i started thinking about as you as you were talking about Um, doing what's right for the customer so the customer has the ability to respond faster if their equipment goes down if they can do basic troubleshooting then you're creating value for them by training them and by getting them to where they can and where they can execute well and then the internal training for your internal people you're also wanting to upskill them and and make them more capable of helping your customers and then you sort of had this third piece that sort of overlaid these two things, which is as we, as you train your customers and you train your technicians, if they're all speaking the same language, you have this ability to improve your communication with the customer and everybody wins through that. So, so I think the, the, as you were talking about that, I, I just started thinking about this mutual value creation that it sounds like you're really focused on in, uh, in, in, in improving the lives of your employees improving the lives of your customers and then by doing both of those things in parallel you're you're sort of you know enhancing it even further if i if if i heard you that kind of correctly or yeah. if i said that the right way.
1: yeah i i completely agree it uh i don't think it does any good if uh, we're the only ones that benefit, right? The The customers got to benefit from it. And if they're benefiting from it and we're not, we're not going to sustain our business very long. So, uh, right, that mutual component ha- has to be there. So if uh, both parties can kind of help each other uh, elevate and be successful, that's really the only way that everybody wins.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so as you think about the your your journey as you think about your career path and you know being general manager of an organization as you think about that journey that you've been on do you have any stories about uh about processes that were broken or that um that just weren't functioning well and and how that may have frustrated you or frustrated other people in uh in your organization that uh that you had to look at and see Boy, we need to fix this process, or we need to fix something about the way things are working here.
1: Yeah, the uh, one that comes to mind the most for me was uh, probably a negative to any customers listening. Uh, w- but it was around our uh, solution or process to generate uh, a price increase letter, right? So if the uh, when I uh, took a role within the company that uh, was inside sales slash continuous improvement. I was doing both. And uh, part of that was uh, as uh, the market might change pricing up or down, I shouldn't have said just price increases because we have used it in a price decrease scenario, but. Uh, sure, right, it, if, but if, I think
0: we all experienced it, right? like mean, we we go back to yeah. during COVID times there was like price fluctuations all over the place. And, yes. uh, and so if you weren't staying up and involved in that, um, the increases, the decreases, the supply availability, all those things, I can only imagine the uh, the challenges around that, so. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, and it it was, our previous process was very clunky and took a long time, right? So when we receive an increase, it goes into effect in say 30 days, right? So the longer that it takes to go out to our customer base, uh, the it hurts our bottom dollar because what we're buying is is increased before it can move out to the customer, and then vice versa on the decrease. Now we're affecting the the customer, right? Because they're paying the, say, an the savings You're trying because, to pass
0: along, or yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: exactly, exactly. So uh, if we don't, if we didn't streamline that process and take it from okay, it's going to take me two weeks to to do to get it out in a week now on both ends in, depending on the scenario, the customer's receiving that uh, uh, price savings faster or we're um, staying profitable um, for that that week. So that was the big challenge of how do we make it easier, A, but also streamline how long it takes to process.
0: Yeah, so adapting, so I like that. I think adapting to market conditions and, um, a company's ability to do that is is really important to success. I can only imagine. Like I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about like gas stations, for example. Right, if the price of oil went up by uh, by thirty percent, but it took a gas station, you know, um, three weeks or a month or something to adjust their price. They might literally be out of business by the time, right? So gas yeah, stations yes, yes. are sort of like this. You can see they've got those digital signs out front, and they're like changing in real time, um, based on based on market changes and things like that. And uh, and so when a, when you have a process that's broken or a process that's clunky or a process that's taken a lot of time, um, it may impact your bottom line, it may impact your customers, it may impact. What are what are some of the frustrations that might happen, um, or that maybe did happen when uh, you know when you had to make a bunch of price adjustments and it took a long time to do? What were what what are some of the yeah? That, uh, what are some of the frustrations that maybe happened as a result?
1: So one of one of the common ones was bad information going to the customer, so they might receive a letter. That I they would I don't even buy this product, right? Or uh, the price would say one thing on the letter and then in the system it would be different so then when the customer would go cut the po it would have x price and customer service would say well that's the wrong price and now we, we're internally working on okay which one is correct the customer might have to reissue a po so then they're skeptical on wait it says this why is it this and there were uh you know i think from the uh company side we're losing trust to our customers with that bad information and internally uh it's costing us a lot of time and energy uh, various departments and people are getting frustrated and, and morale goes down and uh there, it, it really just stems through almost every aspect of the company and our customers so it's uh um, those breakdowns yeah. in processes, depending on what they are and the magnitude of them, can really be a, a big pain point for people. Yeah,
0: and I think I think you you hit on one of the things that I'm so passionate about is that you hit on the impact. It impacts everybody, and it's not just about you know whether it's a price increase, a price adjustment, price decrease. Uh, you hit on it impacts your customer because your customer looks at it and says, I don't buy this product. Or um, if, if they get a, the wrong letter or the wrong price or the wrong whatever, they're they're looking at it. They're not sure how to react, which means they have to communicate with somebody within your organization. And then somebody in your organization has to take time away from the other stuff that they're trying to work on to answer the question. And so you have to you, you work through this lack of trust that may happen there and the people in your organization are struggling and scrambling well so what did the letter say and what's reflected in our system and and so you impact your customer you impact internally you might even impact your uh, your vendors in some ways as you as you as you navigate these things and uh, and that's one of the things i i started a couple of years ago thinking about good people without good process get frustrated And that's sort of the this one, like so. You're talking about you might have the ideal customer base, you might have the best customer service people and the best operations people and the best, but if you've got bad processes, all those people are gonna get frustrated. And a year from now, you won't have the best customers, you won't have the best relationships, you won't have the best employees. The corollary to that is that great processes without people can get wasted. So sometimes we might have a really ideal process. Like in in your mind or in my mind, you might have the perfect process. Like if only everybody would follow step A through Z, right? (laughs) Then everything would be amazing, right? So great processes without people following them get wasted and, and ultimately lead to different frustrations. So do you have any situations where you... Maybe in your mind, you had like, this is the perfect process. If only everybody would do this, but you had to figure out how do I navigate to get people engaged and maybe we have to do a less than perfect process, but if we can get people to do it, then it's actually going to move us forward. Does that, does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a great point. I, I, my brain goes back towards, uh, when we were implementing a, a a new sales process uh, within the sales organization. And uh, not to say that any sales process was going to be perfect, right? But I knew it was going to be better than what we had because I couldn't even tell you what that process was prior to this. So uh, it was just, let's get something in place. And uh, if we stay consistent with it and we do it methodically uh, the same way, will at least get some amount of information of what pieces are successful and what pieces aren't and then we can adapt and change it as we go uh but we had you know person x is doing it this way person y is doing it that way and getting everybody on board on what that new process is going to be uh, became a hurdle and then once we got it in place it's okay here's the process now we've got to keep everyone in line to not revert back to how they were doing it before, but keep it on pace to do it the same way so that uh, we can make an effective business decision on whether or not that's the process we want to keep. Because if everyone reverts back to the other processes that they were doing before, not sticking with the one that we developed, we've got no way of evaluating that process. So uh, I know I got a little bit off tangent of your exact question, but is that, uh, does that fit what you were you were? Oh, exactly. Kind of talking- I
0: think as you were talking about that, I was thinking about the the concept of of habits, right? Developing new habits, and uh, and when we think about habits, that um, you know, I've got I've got certain bad habits today, right? There's a reason that I've got 20 pounds extra on me that uh, then I'd rather have. Uh, if I had better habits, I would ha- I would weigh a little bit less than I do today, right? And uh, and I think did you you played baseball in college? I think right. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So you so if you think back to your baseball days, right? Uh, you had to develop good habits to keep improving in your uh, in, in your ability to be an athlete, and if you had bad habits. You're gonna go down a bad path, right if you have better habits, you're gonna increase and improve at what you're doing. and I think a lot of times people like look at it and they're like so this is the ideal process, but if I can't do perfect, then my habits just never change right so so I, I think about uh some conversations I had with some people about weightlifting and uh, and exercising and uh and and they were talking about how, if you go to the gym, right, the first thing you got to do is go to the gym, right? If, if you just say, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go to the gym because I don't have an hour and a half to lift weights today, so you don't go to the gym. Getting there is
1: typically the hardest part in that one, right? Getting out of bed and going is is sometimes harder than the workout itself.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so starting a habit and and so actually there was a book recently that I uh, I started reading. I think it was called Atomic Habits. I, I think this is the one. There were a couple of habits books I read a while back and and he talked about how this this guy um wanted to lose weight. And so what he did was he started going to the gym for five minutes a day, five minutes, right? And, uh, and he's and he's like the the heaviest weight to lift in the gym is the front door. Like we could put so much thought into what's the perfect way to lift weights, and should I do eight reps or should I do twelve reps? Like how you know what should I do to to maximize my my performance. But if we spend all of our time thinking about that perfection of what a perfect workout might look like, but we don't create the habit of opening the door every day, then then we won't make progress. And this guy said he would open the door, like he would go in, spend five minutes at the gym, and he would leave. And he ended up losing an enormous amount of weight doing this because it wasn't about creating the perfect workout. It was about creating a habit of showing up at the gym every single day. And, yeah. uh, and, and I think like what you were talking about earlier, so I might've gone down a rabbit trail there, but, but, the, <laughs> uh, but, but what you were talking about earlier, you've got like this ideal process. We didn't even have a process before, but we've got to get people in the habit of moving towards that ideal process. Even if it's, even if it's a step at a time, we've got to move people towards that, uh, that process. Does that, does that make sense or any thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: no, I, I completely agree. It's, uh, the if we stay along the the theme of the working out component uh, most people are thinking more of the physical component about it right but really what you're tying the habit to that's entirely mental right getting up going to that's the that's a mental lift because right you are thinking about the physical component of it and how challenging it may or may not be but once you get the uh, mental side of it, that habit established, then it just becomes part of your your everyday. And uh, with the uh, sales process that I, I was talking about, one of the uh, changes that we made was after every uh, sales meeting or call, uh, we call it a sales control letter, but a a kind of a follow up will go out to the customer with the summary of things, and it was a clear format and there was various information that needed to be in it. And I thought, well, that's pretty easy, right? Just send send the information out. And I found that it wasn't going, not because people resisted it, but because that wasn't a part of their habit from a day-to-day, week-to-week thing. So uh, I had to put something in place where, okay, after every meeting, you send me the sales control letter and then Not because I'm so controlling that I have to see it and edit it, but it it developed the habit that, okay, after every one of these, he's going to, if I don't send it to him, he's going to be calling me and, you know, it's going to be a whole conversation. So once the habit was installed that, hey, the email goes to Adam every time, uh, then it was, okay, you don't have to send it to me, just send it to the customer. Now it became a spot check for me where, hey, is it going out? And I can see that in our CRM, but uh it was that mental habit to start the you know we're gathering that information on the call i know our team is good at that so it became the changing the habit of day to day sending that to the customer and over time you develop that habit and it and it just works
0: yeah yeah, well, hey, it's been awesome speaking with you today, Adam. I've uh, I've got a I've got a new little sign in my office. It says Stuck Street up here. I was at a uh, I was at a, a conference a few years ago, and this gentleman got up and he he actually showed a picture. There is a street in the United States called Stuck Street, and he's like, if you want to get off of Stuck Street, right? You've got to do some different things. And so as we've been ta- as you've been talking about these habits and stuff, it's like if you want to get off of Stuck Street, if you want to do something better, right, then, then it really takes some mental habits, some mental, you know, strength, and it takes some building of new processes. And um, and that's why I, I I sort of fell in love with this concept of the intersection of people and process. It's all about change management. It's all about leadership. It's habit development to, uh, to move you forward and to keep moving forward. So, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Optics in Action podcast today, Adam. I Appreciate the insights that you shared with us, and uh, and I hope our audience has gotten some really great ideas about, uh, you know, how do I improve processes, or how do I identify those process problems that I might have? How do I identify the uh, the if people aren't following the process? How do I take a couple steps forward? And it's not about getting to perfection. Uh, the other day, I just heard something that said, um, our next best draft. So every time we improve something, it's our next best draft. It's not the final product, but we're making a better draft. We're making a better next step. And uh, so I loved having you on the, the conversation today, Adam. Appreciate the uh, the insights that you shared with our audience. And uh, look forward to staying connected.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. I enjoyed the conversation as well and uh, appreciate uh, everything that that you do. Like you said, I hope everybody enjoyed the conversation and and get something, at least one takeaway from it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Optics in Action podcast. If you are interested in the podcast, we welcome you to subscribe on your preferred platform, follow us on LinkedIn, or learn more at epsoptics.com. If you or someone you know is interested in applying to be a guest on this podcast, you can find more information at podcast.epsoptics.com. This is Ryan Weiss, thanking you for listening to Optics in Action.